Welcome in to Paydirt Sports. This is Will Dunn here with Nick Trushel and Seth Coggin. Paydirt Sports, part of the Six Pack Coverage Network. Guys, let's kick it off. Our very own Seth Coggin, Boss Cog, put his stamp on the ultra marathon game by completing the strolling gym out in War Trace, Tennessee. Beautiful War Trace, Tennessee. Just a good old easy 41 miles. Seth, tell us all about it. I mean, I don't even know where to, I don't even know what to ask you first, but just give us kind of the experience. I, guys, I got to go out and actually see Seth and our good friend, Benny, the boss man, Batista. I got to see them finish and it was just awesome experience, even just to be there at the very end. Seth, tell us all about it. All right. Wow. Opening the show with it. Let's go. Um, truly a, a one of a kind experience. Um, just so a few months ago, our friend Ben, um, now I've been in, I've been running quite a bit, you know, I, I take it pretty seriously, but never have b- before been in a competitive race, you know, never done anything in that type of scenario. Um, and he calls me up and he says, look, I'm, I'm running this race or I'm, I want to run this ultra marathon. Like it's in Nashville. It's, it's, or it's around Nashville. It's, you know, it's in May, it's about four or five months out. So, you know, plenty of time to kind of wrap your head around it. And I wasn't his first call. I'll be honest. He called some other guys that were probably better runners, stronger than I am, but I was the guy that said yes. (laughs) I was the guy that said yes. Um, So committed to an ultra marathon a while back. And to be honest, it has been hanging over my head. Like no matter even at night when it's like, ah, man, might want some ice cream. It's like, you know, you're going to have to run an ultra marathon pretty soon. Like you might want to, you know, I want to hold back on that. Now it didn't really stop me. Cause then the other, like, it's kind of like those, the two devils on your shoulder. It's like, well, yeah, but you need a lot of calories. You know, you're going to burn a ton of calories. So like you need to fuel up. Um, anyway, uh, just an insane experience. Race day was something unlike, you know, kind of I've ever felt, but at the same time, I, I don't want to say it was, underwhelming because it wasn't like it was truly a great experience but in a way some of it was almost underwhelming um i had farthest i'd ever run in my life is about 22 miles never done a marathon like i said never really been in a race so i was truly up against you know kind of everything everything i was doing was first time for me um but i think we did a great job preparing uh we trained pretty well i probably could have trained you know you can always train a theoretically a little bit more, but entered the race healthy. And that was kind of really the end goal is to like not overtrain. Cause I've done that kind of in the past where it's like, Oh, I'm trying to do something big. I'm going to train super hard and then kind of end up overtraining and hurting yourself. And especially when you're running, it's very easy to do. Um, cause that puts a lot of pressure, um, on your joints and, and knees and everything. So we both got to the race healthy. Um, our nutrition plan was really good. Uh, I burned about almost 8,000 calories. So you have to be just replacing and replacing and replacing um, the entire race. Like even if you're not necessarily hungry, um, your body needs the calories to like keep going. Um, and I was very, very thankful to have the best crew in the world. My beautiful and amazing girlfriend, Christina came out. She was our crew. So she crewed for me and Ben. <clears throat> and what that kind of involves is she had a car full of snacks and gels and water and, you know, just all kinds of nutrition and supplements that we can't really carry along. You know, you can carry a little bit, whether it be in a pocket or, you know, or a Jersey or something like that. Um, but so she did a great job of, you know, being a few miles ahead of us parking and just waiting till we got there and being ready for us. So 
just very blessed to have a team, uh, a member kind of like that, that would go ahead and pretty much, I mean, she took, she traveled with me all weekend and took her whole Saturday to just kind of sit and wait around on us. Um, and so that was, that was very, and I mean, it made like stuff like that made it so much better and and more likely that we could kind of succeed and have a good race. Um, so Benny is a little bit stronger runner than I am, uh, for sure. Um, so we were kind of, even though we were a team, we weren't really sure how it was going to fold out just, uh, logistics wise, like how long we would stay together. Uh, we knew we wanted to start together and kind of, uh, pace ourselves because it's a long race. 41, 41 miles is just daunting. Like you're standing at mile zero and it's like, Oh my gosh, like I got 40 miles ahead of me. Um, but there's a lot of excitement. A lot of other people are doing it too, which makes it seem more doable. If that makes sense. Like if I just stood up on a random Saturday and said, yeah, I'm going to go run 40 miles. Like I might, might could get it done, but it'd probably take me like 10, 12 hours just because at some point I'm just like, this is you know, dumb, but all those other people being around you and trying to complete the same task does make it pretty awesome. Um, a lot of people have done it before. A lot of people are returning and it's really an older sport to be honest, which is kind of surprising me because seemingly running is like a brutal sport to me on my knees and ankles and whatnot. Um, but a lot of people, you know, forties and fifties, sixties, even out there running. Um, I think we were, I was like the sixth youngest, out of there was about 140 something people uh, that ended that ended up running the full full 40 mile race, but they also had shorter races. So we started with, you know, probably 350 people or more. Um, so you know, quite a few people at the start line that all start out together and then eventually kind of break off. But you know, the race actually went like surprisingly well. I was expecting to just like hunker down and suffer like just kind of get a few miles in and just sit in the pain cave just hibernate in the pain cave and just kind of block out everything but you know whether it be the pacing the nutrition kind of the race day just extra boost you get um we made it quite a ways me and me and our friend ben stayed together for the first about 27 28 miles um which was really positive for me because um, us being together gave us, you know, someone to talk to. It's just a long time that you're out there on the course. Um, so I finished in about eight and a half hours. Um, and that was actually good. I, I mean, I was my true, true, like best performance. I wanted to do under eight, but realistically figured that wasn't a possibility. So just wanted to, first of all, make sure I finished like truly, like even just getting to that finish line was the real goal. But then I was trying to go under nine, nine hours, Um, and we, so we did that pretty, pretty well with ease. Um, so we stayed together for the first about, I don't know, five hours or so 27, 28 miles, but that's kind of when I hit the wall. That is when I hit the proverbial wall, like the pits and the depths of pain and about 28 miles. So that's about six miles farther than I've ever run before. So I'm already in uncharted waters. Like I'm already, you know, even though I was kind of, I was like really surprised at how good I was feeling at 22. I was like, wow, I'm feeling great for never having, you know, been this far or, you know, for this is as far as I've ever been. But then, you know, all of a sudden it kind of hits and it's like, oh goodness. I looked at my watch and it was 28 miles and I was just like, wow, that's so far. That's farther than I've ever gone before. And I still have a half marathon to go. Like I have, I, I am, I have extended my limit. And I still have a half marathon to go. 
Um, so luckily it, it is a very, it's a very communal race. It's a very easy, like it was a little more walking than I was even prepared for. Like if you're, if you're not up for it, just walk a little bit, regain that strength. Uh, pretty much all the Hills, you, uh, most people outside of the true top tier, uh, most people walk, um, to conserve energy. Cause you're not, you know, you're jogging at a fairly slow pace. And you're, and if you're jogging uphill, it, it's not that much faster than walking anyway. And your pace isn't really that important. You know, it, it's more about kind of getting through it. Um, so got to walk and kind of recover on the hills. Um, was really proud that, I mean, I ran most of the time other than kind of walking up the hills and recovering. So just, just very pleased with how my body responded. You know, it's very fun to put your body in circumstances that like, you know, it's not used to. Um, to push it past the limits that you have perceived. Um, so I've, haven't done too much crazy enduro stuff. Um, but, but knowing that my body can respond to that and take that is awesome. It probably won't see me running a bunch more ultra marathons. Like that's just not kind of what I'm built for. It's not really, I don't know. It was fun, but, uh, a lot of people were kind of describing, they were like, oh, it's such a euphoria when you finish. Like, oh, you're going to be like, it's just, you can't describe it. And it's just unreal. And it's, it's all this just, just wonderful, just euphoric feeling is kind of euphoria is truly what they said. And to be honest, I got to the finish line and I was like, just thanking God it was over truly like, yeah, that was, I'm glad I, can say I did that, I guess, but man, I'm just really glad I'm done running today. Like, let's go get some, we, we, me and Will, Will's out there. I saw my dogs at the finish line and, uh, and we got some Casa Fiesta shout out Antioch, just rolling through eating heavy. Now that was fun. See, that's an enjoyable, like, man, we really did just do something pretty crazy, you know, like pretty big accomplishment. Um, and then to just kind of throw down with the homies, uh, was really nice. I, I will say just one, I was at my darkest point around 28, 29, still a lot of miles in front of me. And I came up to this rest stop or, you know, people had aid stations along the way, um, certainly to kind of provide nutrition, water, all that kind of stuff. But this particular one was just someone out in their front lawn. They were grilling burgers and they had some stuff out on the table, but I saw just like something shined at me and it was a natty light. And they were just had a few had a few cold snacks out there for the racers. And uh, I was in my darkest point, but threw down just a little bit, um, just something to wet the palate and just kind of keep the spirits up, um, get a few carbs in me, uh, get a little nutrition, a little something to wet the whistle. And uh, I will say it kind of uh, that that was a good and beyond. I mean, who cares about you know, half a beer. And that didn't really matter. It was more just kind of like these people were out there having a really good time um, and kind of being awesome hosts to the racers. Like I, I, I assume they lived in that house. Um, so they were just out there grilling in their front lawn, you know, throwing some, uh, throwing some nutrition. They had everything, all sorts of snacks. Um, but yeah, it really pushed me to do those last about 12, 12, 13 miles. You get really isolated. Like after about 30 miles, you're pretty alone. Um, for most cases, just because people are so, you know, spread out at that point. Um, and so kind of dealing with that aloneness is interesting. Um, I don't know. It would have been different if I was alone for all 40 miles. I'll say that. Like if I had to be solo, 
kind of in my own head for that long, you probably have to go to a little bit of a, you know, deeper place in some ways, but, um, overall amazing experience. Uh, I'm an ultra marathoner now. So, uh, shout huge. out. Like, let, yeah, that's, that's, that's all another, the dogs. That's a check. All the dogs. Yeah. All yeah, the dogs Donnie, are you up. did a half, right? Or was it 10 or yeah, it was a half. Yeah. There half, we go. So See, yeah, we're, and... we got, we got some absolute yeah, thoroughbreds out here. We're, we're definitely in the well. top one percenters of podcasters as far as, uh, a number. Yeah. yeah well, long distance races uh, goes. Barstool yeah. with all the, uh, crazy. And we don't need to get into all that stuff, but, all the craziness there. None of those guys are running a half marathon. Paydirt Sports, go. Paydirt Sports, these boys are working. That's kind yeah. of what it felt like at the end of the day. It was literally just like me and ben, like it was just like eh, another Saturday of work. Like just kind of went out there, put a good eight hours in, uh, did my time. You know, put put a little pound of a little pavement and just got a little good workout in in the beautiful picturesque scene of uh, of Waverly and Wartrace, Tennessee. Just beautiful Tennessee countryside in early spring. We were blessed with beautiful, beautiful weather. Well, beautiful running weather, at least. Overcast in about 58 all day. Just picturesque day. Like, if it was, you know, I think it's like 90 today in Nashville. If it had been 90 that day, that I mean, add an hour to my time just because you're just grinding that much harder. Um, so, very blessed with that. Very blessed that the legs held up. Shout out the body. Um, yeah, had a great, had great support. Um, so we'll see what we do next. Um, yeah. I, ultra marathon probably, probably ain't it. I'll be honest. Like I was just out there about miles or hour seven, just like, eh, this is, this is really cool. I, I guess I kind of get why people do this. They're pretty psychotic, but like, I can't really say that because I'm right there with them running the same race. Um, but you know, we'll find some other way to, to push the body, make it back on the blades and do some even crazier endurance on the, uh, on the roller blades. It's a little more enjoyable for me. So, yeah. Yeah. Seth, before we get away from it, I do have a couple quick questions. So I'll just throw them both at you and you can kind of speak on them, but so talk a little bit about, cause yeah, you mentioned the farthest you ever ran was around, you know, the early to mid 20 mile range, you know? So what was that like? I mean, you kind of touched on it, but I mean, cause I think about when I did, I mean, obviously you're running a lot more than I, I am running, but, uh, I was thinking about when I ran my half marathon and I'm thinking like, there's like, I probably could have done like a couple more miles, but at a certain point, my body was going to give it like would have given out. So talk a little bit about that. And then, yeah, if you have any, I was wondering if you were thinking about maybe doing an Ironman or if you have any other maybe triathlon type stuff, what your other, what you might be thinking of as the next step or next challenge. Um, I'll speak on as far as the next kind of thing goes, it's, it's a little too early for me to decide, uh, kind of what's next. I'm in a little bit of a, I mean, I just got, I, I literally just walked in the door like I went straight to work this morning from traveling still. So like, I haven't even really sat down <laughs> hardly at all since uh, the race. So I'll take a few days off and really decide what, but it's bigger. You know, that's all I can say. <laughs> the next challenge is going to be bigger. Like I'm still standing after that. So like, why not push it further? Like find a way to push to truly go crazy. I truly want, this is a trouse thing about this this afternoon. I've said it before, but like, I want to, make an attempt at the rollerblading world record 
for a day for 24 hours. So a 24 hour rollerblade, the current world record is about 218 miles, which is a ton. So 218 miles is crazy. Now, which let the let the listeners know that yeah, you have. So I have before have uh, completed about a hundred and officially a hundred miles, but really it was more like a hundred and nine miles in a day, uh, and about twelve hours of active time. Um, so theoretically, and that was on an a hundred dollar pair of skates uh, with about the smallest wheels you can have, um, and still kind of complete some distance. So if I theoretically increased my training and had better equipment. We could be putting up some serious numbers. I, for some reason, my legs are like made for rollerblading. I, I don't know how, how to explain it, but like my body's never adapted to a sport any more than they did. Um, so we're kind of building that endurance with the legs right now. That's why, I, I mean, running is a great way to kind of cross train and just build that. Just eight hours of active energy is like a crazy output of a consistent, you know, output of energy. Um, so, that's kind of it. May, go further. And maybe that maybe this year that kind of looks like uh, Ironman's in the it's in the possibility. Completing an Ironman would be truly a huge, huge goal that I would at some point like to complete. Um, is it going to be quite ready this year? I'm not sure because um, that's I mean, it's a full marathon, 100 plus miles on a bike and a couple miles swim. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I had a big run and then. But but throwing in a hundred plus miles on a bike is no small task, and I'm right now I'm really not conditioned um, biking very well. Uh, I can hop on and you know I got obviously I can kind of just grit and grind it out. Shout out Tony Allen, yes, but yes, uh, it's, it, it's all, not. It's all mental. It's it is. Mental. It is, and it's that's kind of that's kind of how you start answering that first question. Is you know yes, this was almost double as far as I'd ever run. And that's kind of what got me in a, a crazy place because even though, yeah, the farthest I've ever run is 22 miles. Like I've probably run a half marathon plus distance five, maybe five times in my, like, so it's not like I'm even putting in a ton of like, you know, 18 mile, 19 mile, 20 mile, you know, it's not like I'm really doing that. It's kind of like mm. significant leaps of, yeah, and that's what the mentality. Yeah. And- and that that's truly where the mentality comes in because, and, and it's just a testament to like human, the, the human power that we do kind of have that we don't always try to unlock, but to say like, if I go out and I am like, well, I'm going to run six miles today. I, I'm probably going to be pretty tired and ready to tap out at six miles. But if I literally say, Hey, I'm going to go out and run 41 miles today. I'm going to go run, you know, just a crazy long distance. Well, you know, I ended up making that too. I mean, yeah, I was dead tired and ready to tap out at the end of it, but you're still able to make it. Um, and that's just not, that's not, that's not just me. I think that's truly speaks on all, all people. I truly believe all people kind of have that kind of power and energy inside themselves. We're a lot of times unafraid to kind of tap it. We're, we're afraid to kind of see how far we can go. So we try, we don't really go maybe as far as we can. Um, because I'll be honest, I was nervous. Like I woke up and I was like, what if I can't do this? Like, this is a lot farther than I've ever, like, what if my body gives out? I don't know how this is going to respond, but luckily I had a really good friend there supporting me and like, you know, pushing me farther than I would have gone on my own. Um, so that's why we kind of need, uh, we need each other. We iron sharpens iron, man. Like we need each other to push each other farther than we would dare kind of go on our own. 
it empowers us and everything um, like that. But I was sitting there at, yeah, 22, 23 miles, like, dang, like 18 miles. That's like the farthest I've ever run in a day. Now I got to do that on top of what I've ever done. Like it is just daunting. But then again, you just kind of keep putting one foot in front of the other. Like you just kind of put in a mile at a time, just stack them up. Um, whether it be, it's kind of a metaphor for life, you know, whether it be days, hours, you know, days of work, uh, workouts, whatever it be, you just kind of stack them on top of each other. And eventually it adds up to where you want to go. Um, and things could have gone worse. You know, you, you could always hurt yourself in a scenario like that. Like I was very blessed to really go off without a hitch, um, in order to kind of finish and, and be really proud and happy with the effort. Um, but with that, I think the mentality part is just so massive and and just why we're, we're kind of limiting ourselves when when our mentality is not, but you know, truly great, like truly great goals. That's what's what, uh, if, if that's not where our minds are, we're never going to reach it, you know? Um, so anyway, that, that's kind of a little bit about it. It is a testament. It's a testament of, of wills, um, of just kind of, uh, are, are you, are you strong enough to kind of keep going <laughs> yeah. or are you dumb enough? I, I don't know. I, I don't know the people that really do that stuff all the time. I really don't know what, like I was kind of doing it to support a friend and also prove to myself. That's another thing that I probably didn't really mention is running is a very, um, I grew up with asthma and didn't really know it. And running was very, very, very difficult for me, even when I was in very good shape or, you know, at least working out a ton. Like even when I was working out every single day in high school, I could barely maybe run a mile. Like it was very hard for me, um, to, to run. Um, and I was very slow and I couldn't breathe very well. And turns out that, you know, a lot of that's due to some respiratory problems. Um, so kind of got that cleared up, um, going into college and, and a little bit. And so running to me is a way to push myself truly beyond limits. What I thought I had, like, I, if you told high school me that you're running an ultra marathon, you would have, I would have told you, you were insane, insane, bro. Like I can't go out there and jog a mile right now. But, um, so it is a testament of, of, uh, of just mental fortitude. And that's kind of where our strength comes from. Um, and that's what it's fun to surround. I mean, obviously our friend Ben's just an an animal. Like I'm very thankful to surround myself. Like even, you know, you guys as well, just like people that, have mental, you know, I know that aren't quitters. <laughs> I know yeah. that like, like, uh, do you have well, whatever pursuits it is, you know, running, running is kind of a very, um, visual well, way of, kind of representing the, that kind of never quitting. Though, <laughs> yeah. I feel like running yeah. an exercise to be successful is the baseline. If you stay yeah. consistent running and having them mentality that I can beat any challenge that translates mm-hmm. uh, across to everything. So I think that's spot on, but why don't we take a uh, little bit of look at some recent football news here. Um, so you guys remember the Legion of boom back in 2013, one of the most electric uh, secondaries in all of college football, but um, professional. Unfo- oh, wait, did I just say college football? Yeah. Oh, you're bad, good. You're bad. good. Keep it going. Uh, but yes, professional football. So wanted to give a little update because that's one of my favorite things is those old players, uh, how we grew up with, see where they are nowadays. And unfortunately, uh, Legion of Boom has 
not been doing well. So Legion of Gloom. Legion of Gloom. Starting off with Earl Thomas. Um, I don't know if you saw the story where he planned on poisoning his children and his wife um, and actually killing them. So he has completely lost it. He's on the run. Um, dude, I mean, it's crazy. And it makes you think about the CTE type of things that we see from Antonio Brown and uh, Richard Sherman on the Legion of Boom when he had that episode of getting a DUI and beating down his uh, ex-wife's door. Um, and then I believe it was Brandon Browner is serving eight years in prison for murder charges. So. How does that, was it uh, like, why is it eight years? Um, I think it was maybe manslaughter or something okay. like that. I, I, um, no. Yeah. So how much, I mean, that's what Trisha, you mentioned it, but how much do you attribute that to, I mean, we obviously don't know the guys, but how much do you attribute this to, guys truly being criminals or like having a psychotic mind or do you like how much do you attribute it to cte like how do you separate richard sherman's case cte dude went to stanford had a three 3.5 gpa i mean he's a, a book smart guy for sure common sense he can be a little bit of a diva and kind of that stuff but um i mean I think CTA or CTE is a real thing and can uh, uh, drive you crazy and make you make you do things that uh, obviously you would never do uh, in your normal state. So it's kind of uh, a sad topic to talk about a little bit, but uh, definitely a very interesting story on as what what happened to that. I mean, incredible team that ran the early 2000s. Uh, the best secondary in the early 2000s. Um, sad to see it play out that way. It's uh, it's interesting because that wasn't any of that the reputation while they were playing. No, no, they I, were I don't. All stand I mean, up guys. Yeah, so it's it's kind of almost dark to think about, like yeah. kind of what, uh, and especially with all the stuff about CTE and you know head traumas and how that effect, and then their notoriety of being the legion of boom like we are the hardest yeah. hitting people like we are flying around throwing our bodies and for all of them you know and they have very different issues you know it seems like very different things are going on certainly um but a lot but they do you know each seem to be going through kind of uh different things and and individual kind of struggles and and whatnot but it's it's almost too much of a coincidence um, that they would all be on that same kind of defense um, in an exact, almost the same position, you know, in the same group, same kind of, but maybe that's, I, I don't know. It gets into a very deep, like psychological breakdown and I don't know these people. Um, and so it's very hard for me to speak. It's very sad. R- really the, the end of the day, it's just very sad. Um, you know, for, for this to happen in any circumstance, whether it be Joe Schmo, you know, out in war trace, Tennessee, or whether it be, you know, the Legion of boom, who's these, you know, well-known notoriable, uh, people and to have these kind of sad, I mean, Earl, like Earl Thomas, I mean, on the run for a, like a plan to poison and kill his family like that, that is not normal, you know, on the, 
just on the right path behavior, obviously. Um, so very sad. And, and it, you hate that it kind of looms over um, something that was such a stronghold, um, such a very like positive, like I've, I would say we probably all have positive memories looking back on like when the Legion of Boom was rocking. Oh yeah. And like, but now it just yeah. kind of Don't casts a very a dark cloud. Receiver like Crabtree on me. I mean, <laughs> some of the most iconic uh, moments in football came from those teams, and obviously the decision to not give it to Marshawn Lynch. And I mean, those are some crazy memories that uh, we had growing up. So it kind of sucks to see that some of these kind of old favorite players. Uh, just be dealing with mental health issues. And I think uh, that's definitely something the NFL needs to work on and kind of put a focus on. Cause I mean, we, we forget these guys are humans too. They go through their own problems and um, so could, uh, could open up to, to maybe some extra programs and kind of helping out there. You know, I think that's I, probably what the next step is. Right. Because yeah. I mean, I know you, you do have to kind of look at, what the argument is for both sides too, because someone might come in and say, okay, well, yeah, we can blame this on CTE, but what if also you have like some like-minded guys who just had like really bad tendencies for yeah. other reasons. And yeah. Then, no, so, 100%. but and personally, I don't think that's the case. I think it is like, I like <clears throat> there is kind of too much of a coincidence and, you know, we talked about, I mean, some of the guys like education and that, which doesn't really necessarily matter. But at the same time, I mean, this some of this behavior is so just wild that I do feel like it's probably attributed to CTE. And I think, yeah, Trisha, you said it. The next step has got to be the NFL doing some sort of I, – I don't know what the program would entail, but some sort of – maybe they do something similar to what uh, people do with PTSD for guys who are in the Army or something. Like, I, I, I don't know what the next step would be, but you do need some kind of uh, – program definitely for these guys especially when they retire from the league especially oh, yeah. guys who were in the league for so long and just took hit after hit like after hit Brian or gave Cushing hit after hit. and Ray Lewis and like some of those old school linebackers that and running backs too I mean and receivers wide, coming across wide the receivers middle. yeah coming yeah. across the middle I mean you you take a shot from Vontez perfect straight to the dome I mean scrambles you Scrambles and then Ryan Shazier, um, unfortunately, uh, was could not even walk taking a dirty hit. I mean, it's yeah, uh, I mean, it's a it's a dangerous, violent game. I mean, that is what that's you what, sign up for. That's but, why we come to the Coliseum, bro. Yeah, like, like not to put it like mildly. No, like, you're right. That is what draws us. Like we we like watching gladiators go out there and just just try to demolish each other and we want our strong you know we want our strong team to just pummel the other strong team and that's unfortunately kind of the that is a that is a very tangible negative side effect of wanting people to just knock people's heads off is that yeah there may be possible brain problems um and that's kind of the scariest because it's an unknown like yeah i know i could tear an acl i know i could you know break my arm break you know stuff like that but the kind of invisible injuries that may linger is the is the very uh it's a very tangible and real i in an own personal like i look at my i i still have my football helmet from from high school from high school bro like not the same level of athlete obviously yeah you know, different different speed of the game 
but I look at all the marks and the like scratches and dents on my helmet. And I, I, I'm conscious of like, wow, that's a lot of hits to my head. Like, even if maybe one's not that influential, like time and time and time again, and these guys have spent even way more years, you know, I was a, maybe a year or two of that serious high level kind of impact, but these guys have spent, you know, four years of high school, four, three years of college plus, and then, you know, eight plus years playing in the NFL where you're just playing at such a high speed and high level and just taking hit after hit. And they are the legion of boom. I like it was, you kind of said it like it, it was a similarly kind of like-minded uh, person that kind of was a tr- that they tried yeah. to put in that group. You were a um, dog. Yeah. And also, it, and I've heard people talk about this before and, and I, I tend to understand and kind of agree. It's like when you're put in that position, like you are paid a lot of money to, to be a killer, like on the, yeah, but you're supposed to channel that energy always on the field. Um, but I think maybe sometimes when guys get out of the game is when they really start struggling because you've, you've at least always had this kind of yeah, an outlet. Uh, outlet. Yeah. You, and it was like, no, it's cool for you to be the hardest dude out here, like hitting people, just like trying to knock people's heads off. Like that is your job is to be the legion of boom. Like you are trying to just level people and hurt them. You are trying to knock people out. And then all of a sudden, you know, you're out of football and you're it's just a whole different, you know, feelings and, and anxiety. Like people, no matter how much money and no matter how much success you have, you deal with mental health issues. Like you oh, are yeah. still dealing with um, well, they're you know, humans. I mean, yes, yes. They, and they become even almost more human once they're not in the NFL. And it's just there's no outlet for this. And all of a sudden they have to. They've they've been paid and applauded and applauded and applauded for this just almost dangerous wreck, like crazy energy that they have that they're able to put on this football field that we, you know, kind of glorify. Um, but then they get out of that and it's like, well, all, all of a sudden no one wants any of I don't know. And so and then you come yeah, you to turn you know, it off. But psychologically, yeah. you've been trained that it's a good thing for mm-hmm. the last well, yeah. 30, 40 years, you know, if you go back yeah. to all the way when you were a kid playing, you know? Yeah. And I remember hearing Dana White talk about this as far as UFC fighters, because, you know, obviously there are people out there who think the UFC is totally barbaric and all this stuff. And these guys are, you know, just violent guys. They don't like have anger problems or all this stuff. And Dana White comes back and is like, do you realize these guys, if they weren't in here, like, being in some regulated fight, they would probably be out on the streets just like being criminals. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, that's not well, a I guess that's not the best Kimbo excuse slice. or anything. But it's like, dude, you some guys need an outlet. Like you have all this whatever you dealt with growing up or whatever's kind of you're dealing with, people need an outlet. Yeah. And you know, when you get this opportunity to be violent and channel all that anger in on something and be able to get it out yeah, in a way like that is Hardy, allowed when he you know, transferred I, to the UFC after beating up his wife and doing all that, like crazy things can happen. Yeah. Know, and then dude. you come with, then you have to figure it out though. At a certain point, what do you do when that's done? Like, where do you find a channel? Yeah. That? And you know, what do you do? Do you take a painting class? Like, does that, does that satisfy you? What, what can like, I yeah, don't know. You that's, need to that's, go to the therapist. Probably. I mean, you got to talk to someone or find some hobby. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. But 
yeah, sad stuff. We don't need to get too into the uh, the sadness here. I know we're running a, <laughs> a, a little bit short on time here, so why don't we move on to the next segment, um, if that is cool. Um, so what do we have next up here today? We're you want to talk a little here. Grizz, a little NBA? Yeah. Oh, yeah, perfect. I stole the list right out of my mouth. Um, so John Morant, obviously injured. Um there's been a lot of back and forth on exactly how it happened. The Clay Johnson jump shot where he banged his knee against that Jordan pool twisting the knee. I think it was kind of a lot of just kind of combined wear and tear and a couple of dirty plays, honestly, um, that could end up costing the Grizzlies a series. Yeah. What'd y'all, if you saw, what'd you think about the pool play? I mean, I don't know why you would take a dude's knee put your hand on his back and try and right. I mean, it was when you see it in full speed or full time, it does look a little it's bit almost better. like you could, def- you could defend it. You could say, I could see where he's grabbing for the ball, but it is like he grabs onto that knee. And yeah. I was thinking, cause I, I was thinking someone's going to argue this with me and you know, I've had, didn't play basketball at the highest level or anything, but I've played a lot of basketball and I've seen a lot of basketball games and I've never seen that situation where a guy truly just like grabs onto a guy's knee and pulls it. Yeah, I'm watching it right now. I'd actually uh, fallen asleep um, before the end of this game and turned it off in the third quarter. I think was that what night was that? I want to say Saturday. Saturday, yeah, I was pretty, I was pretty toasted after Saturday, um, but I'm now just watching it and it seems unnecessary. Um, don't know if that was really the play that hurt Josney, but definitely, I really probably think the play that hurt it was when he did knock knees, kind of like knock legs with. Uh, I think it was Clay. Was it Clay? Um, but then they might have he went they, off the court right after yeah, that. Uh, they might have kind of known he was favoring it, and then like if you know he's favoring it, and then you pull something like that, that is pretty low down. And it just brings me back to my my take on Steve Kerr, which just annoys the absolute mess out of me. Is that he he whines and complains the other night about the Grizzlies being dirty, like essentially applying that we're entirely a dirty team, and that's the only way we win. That's really what I gathered. As a Memphis fan, I'm probably overreacting a little bit, like to the true tone and everything of his voice or you know his comments. Um, but that's really what it sounded like. He was just like, "Oh, this is a dirty series." Like they're trying, and yeah. Dylan Brooks made a really hard foul. And unfortunately the guy got hurt. If the guy doesn't get hurt. It's probably not that big a deal, just a hard foul. Um, but you know, he did get hurt and that, that, and because it was an over overly aggressive play and he got hurt, then it does make it a little bit dirty. Um, but not saying it was like the most atrocious thing ever, but then you got Draymond green, who is possibly one of the dirtiest players in the history of the NBA. Like if you went down truly the list and you, if you looked at all of the, like, borderline dirty plays like Draymond's list is miles long like the other night him pulling someone down by the jersey is way less of a basketball play in my eyes than you know a guy swinging at a guy going up for a layup uh unfortunately he missed and hit him in the head um 
But it really sucks that Jaws got to be out because he is just a game changer. The way he closed the game out the other night with 15 points, 15 of the last Grizzlies points um, to just dominate and take over the fourth quarter. That's what you're missing without him in. Um, it won't even take, you know, it might, a minor miracle maybe, but the Grizzlies could still pull it out tonight. They've played a lot of the season with enough of the season without jaw and had plenty of success. They have a lot of playmakers. They just got to play probably the best they've played. But who's saying they can't? This probably won't come out to after the game. So I'm saying a really strong, really strong defensive performance because I think jobbing out actually probably helps us on defense. The Warriors attack job pretty good when he's in the game. Um, so I'm saying 103 Grizz, 97 Warriors. I'm saying we steal the road dub. We even the series at two to two. Um, we take it back to the M. Got to win two out of three in the M. Even if we lose tonight, it, this series is far from over, I feel like, because we're winning game five in the M regardless. Like, that's just happening. Um, so whether we win tonight or don't, uh, we'll be going back to Golden State. Um, so I, I'm saying Grizzlies win by six tonight. Let's go. Bold. I like it. Why not? Yeah, why not? Trucio, give me the uh, updates on what are the other series looking like? Uh, so – Mavs, well, Mavs are tied 2-2 with yeah, the Suns. Yeah, I was about to say Mavs tied 2-2 with the Suns. I'm going to go ahead and get the uh, – A little surprising there. Up here. Well, they, came, Luka, they both just held hold court or held home court. Uh, I mean, Luca is playing out of his mind right now. Like, I feel like he has not been getting enough credit um, on how much defensively. So, he's actually in the top five in the entire league in defensive rating this year. In Ow. which he used to be a horrible defender. Liability. So he, yeah, he's completely flipped the uh, the script there. So I think that really has, yeah. So I mean, shooting twenty eight uh, or scoring twenty eight, forty six percent from the field, thirty five point three nine boards and nine assists with a steal and a half to go along with it. I mean, he's been putting up absolute numbers in the postseason. Um, like highest so, average ever, right? Yeah. In his first or playoff mm-hmm. average over. I mean, yeah. yeah, he's had enough games. So, I mean, kind of- he's the truth and he's developed his defensive game so much that um, I think he could turn into almost a slightly better Dirk Nowitzki. By the end of his career, it's just he is a different Dirk Nowitzki because he's, yeah, he, he's more, his, his he's more assa- of a point his, guard. He's gonna have more of a stat stuffer. I mean, his fadeaway jump shot literally looks exactly like Dirk's. It is pretty. Exactly Isn't it crazy like that Dirk's. Dallas went from Euro superstar to Euro superstar? Yeah, like literally just didn't even bridge the gap. They went from one European legend to the next, just back to back in Dallas. It's awesome. They probably got to be the favorite team over there in like Eastern Europe by far. Oh yeah. yeah. No, they definitely are. What are we looking like in the East? They both seem fairly close. Um, I can't, I don't know exactly. Two two to two to two in Philly. I know that Philly, Miami's two to two. James Harden. Oh my God. He played lights out, dude. He's finally starting to hit his stride. Um, It won't matter in game six and seven. I'll be honest. Game four, that's about right for James Harden to have a great game. Yeah, and then he's going to have two ducks in a row. Yeah, maybe not. Maybe not. I'm, I'm throwing some shade at the guy for no reason. I, 
I got no problems with guys catching a bag. But um, um, so we don't have too much time here left. Uh, we could talk about the Preds really quickly. Um, yeah, real quickly. They stink. The championship <laughs> window is closed. Injuries. They're kind of garbage. And yeah, yeah, uh, Sarah's but going down Ingram, right before Ingram the playoffs. played well. I was at the game on Saturday. I got the opportunity to go see him. Um, but. Yeah, he uh, – I mean – The Avs are strong, well. too. Yeah. Here's the true. thing. Avs, Avs' goal this year, it was Stanley Cup or bust for them. This Preds team really weren't a lot of expectations as far as this year's Preds teams goes, especially after the first game. Everyone was like, oh, this team's going to suck. And then they kind of went on a little run. Then they went on a little down slope. It was just kind of inconsistent the whole year. Happy to get in the playoffs. What sucks is Calgary's over here, who you could have played had you not choked away the game against Arizona. And I think they're sitting down 2-1 right now to Dallas. So you look at this whole other side of the coin, and it sucks because maybe you could have given them a run in the series, maybe won that series, and then by that time, Soros comes back. So you kind of screwed yourself in that it comes back to that Arizona game. Yeah, and weren't they up? Or were they up 4-1? 4-0. I think they're up 4-0. Oh my goodness. Yeah, that you earned that L. You earned this fat series L. Swept in the first round of the playoffs. The Preds like got really hot right there for a second, but I don't know. Something changed in the organization. There there was a vibe shift in the organ. We were winners there, just gritty winners for a while. And then we became like pompous losers. That's what I think of in my it's like we're I don't know. We think of ourselves pretty highly, but like we still haven't won anything. Um, and then it just got, I, I don't know. It got too corporate there in Nashville. They priced out the real hardworking fan and, uh, and also like college kid myself um, who used to just go down and scalp five, $10 tickets right at puck drop and uh, get rowdy. Like those were the people that were in there to just like make noise and go crazy. Now they just, I don't know that the environment that Smashville was, was unreal, like unrivaled people just were dying to be part of it. And then, I don't know. I feel like they kind of lost the edge as like a franchise, which is kind of unfortunate, but uh, maybe that's just cause I'm not living in the city anymore, but I, I almost feel it more living outside of the city, like not living uh, in Preds, uh, Predsville. It's I get a broader view of like how the trajectory of the franchise is going. Um, so I don't know. It's very disappointing because playoff hockey is so fun. It is so fun when they make a deep run. I mean, it's unreal to just be on the edge of your seat. Um, but then they just, they don't have it this year. That's for sure. No. And I mean, Soros getting hurt, but I, I, a lot of people have, oh, and actually talking about, uh, real quick, a little bit of a side tangent, but still involved with the, uh, predators, Barry Trotz got uh, fired from the Islanders. Bring him home. What Honestly, <laughs> he's, won, he's got won a, a cup, ring. man. Yeah, he's got a cup. Yeah, so that would I be mean, sick. I bring him back. I wouldn't hate. That's it. what we need. That no, is exactly the second shot. Yeah, I, I don't know if Hines is even necessarily the problem. I think it's. I mean, honestly, Talent. I'm probably not the best person to talk to talk about all the upper management in the NHL. But I think maybe 
time for a new guy at the GM spot instead of Poyle. Like, I feel like he's been yeah. so up and down in his career there. Like, he was kind of really heralded there yeah. at first. And then I think he kind of struck gold. And then I don't know if it's any, I don't know if he's actually made any awesome moves that you can say, oh, Poyle really killed this. Like, I think we, there was a point where we drafted really well there for a while, got a couple big names every now and then, but I don't know. I, I think maybe it's just, Maybe time to start fresh, honestly. Maybe start over at a few positions. You have – I mean, you decided to get rid of some key players at times already. So, I don't know. I don't know what the move is, but, the, like, I, the Preds aren't contending for anything in my mind or in my eyes for the next few years. So, maybe it's time to make some big moves. Shake it up. It's like we're not going the right direction. That's yeah. what it is. It's like – yeah, we made the playoffs. We used to be happy making the playoffs, but like we've seen the potential that this, you know, city and the the team can put out there on the ice and like we're going the wrong direction. Um so maybe yeah, a, tra- a true change at true leadership is uh is the answer. Yeah. Maybe not, I don't know. I mean, he's put, you know, he has crafted some really good rosters and like put together a really good product on the ice in Nashville. Mm-hmm um i but, do you like know, what he's... you said though seth i want i want like a different identity i want the old like yeah. gr- like the preds don't have the grit anymore no. i haven't seen that since that st- that team that made the run after that it was like kind of a complacent almost an entitlement probably with some of the guys i just don't feel it anymore like i used to yeah. bring the black and blue jerseys back that's what i need that's right no, I that. <laughs> um you want to yeah you want to Close us out with a little baseball minute. Yeah. So, unfortunately, Vols lost their uh, first series against Kentucky. Um, it's uh, But it was muggy, rainy, nasty. And at the end of the season, uh, one team did jump us, Oregon State, in one poll. But Tennessee is a, pretty much across the board still number one. And um, I think this is the time right before you get into the regionals, right before you get into the playoffs, SEC tournament, all this stuff. If you drop a couple of games, we're in incredible shape. I'm not worried about anything. Um, So, yeah, I mean, that's really all I got uh, about college baseball. Um, I think Hogs won at Auburn. Yeah, they did. So a big series Which, win on the road versus RPI, like number four. Yeah, and they uh, were very uh, needed. Very much making needed. some kind of headway on Tennessee yeah. right now. Uh, not. I mean, we're not, not going to come back on the SEC. Uh, most possible? likely, I'm pretty it's, sure it's still it's, possible. Still, po- it's yeah. still possible. I think we. It, I think we're about stymie though. To be honest, there's only two series left. Um, but so yeah, I mean, sweep and then Tennessee collapse yeah. and Tennessee's pretty much. I mean. Even but the, even if they went 0-6 to end the year, they're probably honestly still close to a national seed, and they're not going to do that. So they're all but locked up to be a national seed. If yeah. Arkansas finishes out strong, uh, wins the West, it'd be hard for me to imagine they're not a national seed as well. Um, so that's right where you need to be, man. Just keep putting yourself in position to be in position. And baseball's a crazy tournament. Um, it's even crazier once you get to Omaha. It's like simultaneously more chaotic once the final eight teams get there somehow. Um, but you just got to get to Omaha and let the real tournament begin. Yeah. Um, and so, and la- you know, it, it's selfishly, I was almost like 
a little seeing Tennessee lose a series was like, oh, you know, Arkansas won all 10 series last year. You know, winning 10 straight SEC series is crazy. And that's that it's even almost a more testament to how crazy it is because you have a team as dominant as Tennessee and they still dropped one on the road, which is like, yeah. no, absolutely no problem. Like doesn't mean they doesn't take anything out of play for Tennessee other than, you know, you didn't win every single uh, SEC series, but it won't really matter once you're on top of the East. Once you win the conference outright, like doesn't really, you know, who cares that you lost a weekend series on the road, mm-hmm. probably like you said, really good time for it to happen. Yeah. Um, a good, good time to kind of regroup like, Hey, look guys, we're not invincible. Like, yeah, but we're still and, good as, I mean, we're still lights out team. Like let's just go be that team. That's, that's dominant. Um, so still, yeah. And I mean, Luke Lipsius was getting the boys fired up and he said was basically, yeah, we were coming in too cocky and uh, it, it's nice to get not nice, but, it's a little humble. It, it's it's a humble lighting a, a fire under their ass, yeah. for sure, from what I've heard. So Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's ever good to lose necessarily, but <clears throat> when you're talking about a sport like baseball where you do have 50 well, games you know, to play hot, with. If a pitcher gets hot, you lose a game. So I Yeah, feel well, like- I, just, I just mean like in, in a sport like this where it truly is like, hey, it's okay that you lost one. It doesn't really change anything in the yeah. grand scheme of things. I don't mind it because, yeah, you get a little extra motivation going into the postseason. Good for y'all. Um, do we have – do y'all know kind of the dates? Like, is, is the SEC tourney coming up next week or the week after? So, it's two – we got so two more weekend series. Okay. Um, and then the SEC tournament. So, the ne- it's three week or three weekends away. Um, and then the um, – Tournament gets started about a month from today, so or you know a month from probably actually, uh, like Thursday or something. But um, we're super close to getting the getting the turn getting the dance started, uh, and that's when the fun starts. I can't wait. I will hopefully be attending at least a game or two of the regional. That'll be fun for me. Um, postseason baseball. I mean, bomb is just next level in the postseason. Like, oh yeah. It is. I've been. I was fortunate to go to uh, a full super regional series one year. Um, so I went to all three games of it when I was a student, and we hosted. Um, and it was just, it was just the best atmosphere maybe I've ever kind of had at a sporting event, just in terms of how enjoyable it was. I set up way in left field. Just I had my cooler. I had brought some snacks. And just hung out on a hot summer day watching my team clinch going to Omaha. Pretty awesome. Um, so looking forward to some of that vibes, hopefully from the Hogs and the Vols soon. So anyway. Yeah, that'll be awesome. Well, I think I'm going to close it out. We'll see what Trucial's up to. But uh, guys, thanks again for listening. This has been Paydirt Sports, part of the six-pack coverage network. coming up here. So <laughs> had to uh, – Make LP, quick, uh, yeah, little uh, LP, uh, the old Titan Stadium. If any of our listeners are uh, not aware of that, true I'm day assuming, ones, yeah, I'm assuming most of y'all know uh, and remember and love LP Field, but I work for LP, so got to uh, take a couple of sales reps out tonight, show them a good time, and uh, so I'm bouncing out of here a little bit or, or earlier than we normally do. Um, but uh, is there anything else you guys want to get down before uh, I head out of here? No, nah, I'll go ahead and close it out. Perfect. Be sure to play the podcast for them. Tell them to become a like oh, and yeah. subscribe. 
<laughs> oh no, dude, I've gotten a, uh, I've gotten a lot of guys, um, in uh, in my company, fired up about it. So Heck yeah, yeah, that's awesome. I talked yeah, to some let's guys. Let's get LP on board too. All right, boys, the, I'm L- getting a call. Real L Pater Sports. L P Pater Sports. Here, yeah, Trucial can't hear me. I'm gonna try and close it out, and we'll just see what he does when he comes back on. But guys, thanks again for listening. This has been Pater Sports, part of the Six Pack Coverage Network. Be sure to check them out. Sixpackcoverage.com, Instagram, Twitter at Six Pack Coverage. Check us out on Twitter at Pater underscore sports, Instagram at Pater Sports, and check out the website, PaterSports.blog. Guys, thanks again for listening. We will see y'all next week. Whoop that trick. Whoop that trick.